Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. We're really honored today to have two faculty members from the School of Nursing, Drs. Paul Clark and Imelda Wright. Stacy, what's the appetizer for today? I was wondering, have you ever wondered what impact you as a faculty member have on your learners? Have you ever wondered that? Dr. Wright, would you kind of tell us about your role at the nursing school? I've been at the School of Nursing for probably about five years, but I've really only been in like a didactic faculty for a little over three. So I would consider myself relatively new, but I have learned so much about teaching the last several years. The conventional method where you have this professor in a podium and talking for three hours and, you know, that day is gone. And I love that there's a lot of evidence-based practice to say that we should be engaging our students more particularly like elements, Stacy, that you had brought into our discussion about this active recall ah, for yes. information. One of the software packages, and I think you use it as well, Paul, called Top Hat, where you can place questions strategically in your lecture that helps students like recall the information. And I find that really, really helpful. I also feel like it gives a break to the material that we're talking about and then gives the students a chance to see, well, how did I do on these questions? It also assesses me. Did I teach them? Did they get these answers right? Or the answer B was the right one, but only 50% of the class got that right. So what is that saying? So I, I like the reflection back on myself as well as the students learning. That's kind of where we're headed with today's conversation about the impact you are having on your learners. Paul Clark, tell us about your role at the nursing school. Melda and I are about in the same boat in the middle of my seventh year of teaching. I've been on the tenure track for the last five. I teach pharmacology to second semester sophomores. It's basically the introduction part of medical surgical nursing to first semester juniors. I have often wondered about the impact I have on students. I'm very much fed by external feedback. So the first part of the semester is always difficult because students generally are brand new to the program. They don't know what they should say or what they shouldn't say, and so they don't engage a lot. And so I overperform to try to engage them. In fact, with the first, starting with the first semester juniors, I tell them to call me by my first name, which I think I'm the only person in the school of nursing that asks that, and they don't often know what to do with that. I do that because, and I explain it, I said, you know, I know there's a difference between you and me as pro I'm a professor, you're a student, but I said, I've always learned from nurses who've allow me to call them by their first name, and I want you to see yourself in the role of the nurse. And I think that breaks down some barriers. So by the third of the semester, the middle of the semester, they're engaging a lot more. And, and actually, I feel better because I feel them contributing more and feeling comfortable, I think in general, because it's a safe space. Now, one of the unique aspects of the School of Nursing is that most of your students are young compared to the medical students and dental students, right? They're, they're four years younger for the most part. Have you done anything in particular? You mentioned this approach called Paul Paul, but have you done anything else, or, or are you Imelda, have you done anything else to sort of engage with the 19 and 20-year-olds? 
Imelda mentioned about Top Hat. We initially used it because it was a way for students to contribute from home because we taught from home for two and a half semesters, which I very much did not like, but we had to do it because it's a pandemic and you do what you got to do. We still use it in the classroom because when I say, tell me what you might say to this patient, like we just talked about something communication-wise, tell me what you might ask, some questions you might ask this patient to figure out why they're tearful and I get nothing. And the overperformers, you know, the two of them, they're always, they've got lots of really great <laughs> feedback, and I'm very interested in that, but I also wanna know what people that are like, I know they got something good to say. So we open up the Top Hat platform, yes. and I make it anonymous, so they can't see each other's names. I can, but they can't. And then we get these really great responses that start scrolling through, which gives me an opportunity to say, this is why this is great, and this is why this is good, but here's how I might make it different. And that really engages them. What I really like about my role at School of Nursing is I oversee some of the orientation that they first come to the School of Nursing, and I feel like I'm in a unique role, and Paul is heavily involved in that too. What I tr really try to make them feel is that you matter to us. We care about you. You belong. And even though that is University of Louisville Cardinal-like mission, I really try to take it up a notch in the School of Nursing because it's overwhelming when they first come. Their lectures are very different. They have lectures as well as clinicals and labs, and their schedules are all, all over the place. And we do have high performers that I think if you put them in any situation, they will survive. But we do have quite a few who are scared about everything. We have a lot of ESL students yes. who, again, maybe just have cultural differences. And so I do try, and it is challenging because we generally get a cohort of 100 at any time, but trying to keep that connection open, you matter to me, I care. Um, in fact, I think um, I may have got this idea from you all, or perhaps a celebration of teaching one time, is prior to every lecture, just doing a check-in. How is everybody doing? And I'll spend the first five to 10 minutes um, sometimes they'll talk and sometimes they won't, but the fact that I checked in is, is a big deal. I think one of the lessons from this first couple of minutes that we've talked about is this need for engagement, mm -hmm. that unless we understand, know, and appreciate who they are, where they come from, what their, what their issues might be, what they're worried about, what stresses they're under, just by checking in, you might learn some things that might alter how you might approach that very day. And so I think it's a lesson for all HSC faculty to be mindful of. It's not just me professing. It's not just me telling them. It's a two-way engagement. And if we're going to be successful in getting them to get everything they can out of the experience here, then we need to be helping to get them to feel, I like your word, belonging, that they feel like they belong. Because if you don't feel like you belong, reduces your bandwidth for learning, you just, you're not going to get as much out of it. And, and it only adds more stress if you feel like you're a sort of, I'm not a good fit, maybe I shouldn't even be in nursing school, why am I here? And so I think it's great that you guys are approaching it that way, especially for that younger group. It's good for any learner, oh, no boy. matter the okay. age. Okay, all right. <laughs> I well, don't but care. But especially for the 19 and 20-year-olds. I would disagree. Sorry. Um, well, we'll agree to disagree. Absolutely. So I was going to ask both of you real quick, what kind of faculty development programs have you guys been involved with since we've been around? The uh, Celebration of Teaching and Learning, which occurs in February. It's the yep. first week of February. When I first started, Topsy Staten, who used yes. to be our, one of our associate deans, she said, put this on your calendar. You need to go. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I going to sacrifice a whole day? It was packed oh, yeah. full 
of really good seminars that I could incorporate into my own teaching. The terrible secret about PhDs is they teach us all about research and very little about teaching. Having to drink from a fire hose about how to learn, yes, how, to, right. how to teach what I know. Um, and thank God for, for the Delphi Center. The other one are the book discussion groups, dental, public health, medicine, school of nursing. Um, we get together and talk through, and it's interesting to see how other people are applying those practices in their teaching because obviously dentistry, medicine, nursing, they're different sciences, but boy, the science of teaching is very, very similar across the board in those principles. The list of help or resources really is, there's just a myriad here, and I've been very grateful. I also think that what's great to look inner words at ourselves. And I think most of us have this inner quality of where we're lifelong learners, where even though I may identify, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good over here, but I could get better. And what else do I need to do? I, I don't ever want to be that person and go, I've got it figured out now. I don't need to attend any more sessions. But one of the things, um, and I'm not just saying this because you two were involved in this. <laughs> I'm not. I was even tell I tell everybody who will hear. The Liam I guess, course, is that, we're calling it a course. It was a year-long course. That was life-changing for me. And I know that we focused more on building up ourselves, more so than like from a teaching perspective. Mm -hmm. But I have shared so much wisdom that I have learned to my students. Great. And one of the things that came to mind, and Paul and I talked about this yesterday, was like having a growth mindset, the power of yet. Mm -hmm. So getting back to reaching out to students and I see some of them struggling and they feel demoralized and maybe they were AB students in lower division, but in upper division, they're just not figuring things out and they're just overwhelmed with the schedules. Maybe you are not figuring this out yet. I mean, it seems so obvious, but I didn't learn this. I never said that to myself until last year, until I was in the Liam group. And so I love being able to, I guess, share those little pearls of wisdom to the students. They find them motivating and there's a path to success. And it's not always about getting A's the whole way through uh, and coaching our students that, you know, if they dip down a little bit, it's just part of the path. That's such a great story. And, <laughs> and I especially like it because you took something that was intended as a leadership yes. lesson about growth mindset and leadership. And you saw how to take that and apply it mm -hmm. to students and how a growth mindset for a student was so critical mm -hmm. when they're under so much pressure. I think that's just terrific you made that connection. The main course of today's discussion was thinking about how the programs you have participated in have impacted your students, and hopefully you are seeing the impact you have on your learners and the things that you have learned have impacted your learners. So, Paul, thinking about maybe the reading circles or something, what have you uh, taken away and done with your learners? The one thing I've taken away from Linda Nilsson's um, book, Self-Regulated Learning, was I get the lecture done. But even, even though the lecture's done and I make changes, there t I still have to plan it before I give it. And I'm, I'm still going over time, so I'm figuring out what I need to do to change that. And, parenthetically, the nursing licensure exam, which is called the NCLEX, is changing its format. So we are having to change our lectures to more case study format yes. because they're looking for more critical thinkers. So we're needing to change the way we teach. At any rate, that is to say lectures evolve. Lectures evolve. I have to plan it even before I give it. Even if I've got the notes in front of me, I've started printing out just the note slide so that I know here are the bullet points that I need to get across and not to get lost. That's one thing. I'm monitoring with questions. So we'll do uh, questions in the middle of the exam on top hat or uh, lecture on top hat. And if there's answers that weren't the ones I was looking for, 
we'll discuss those. And I'll say, so if, you, if you've chosen this answer, here's why I wasn't looking for that. Here's the rationale. And if you've got questions, let's hear it. Then evaluating to see what their feedback is. And one of the tricks I've learned is I have a coffee mug or a cup full of cold water because as an extrovert, I'll say, any questions? Great, let's move on. And what the introverts have told me is, give me a moment. Like, I'm trying to think it through. So I'll sip my cup of water. Wonderful. And I'll stare. And some of them are, like, getting a little antsy. So I'll like, what's wrong with what, him, right? Exactly. Is he seizing? Like, what is, what is, is he having, you know, a, a, you know a, a, an absence seizure? But I, I'll tell them. I, the introverts in here will tell you they need a minute. So that's what I'm giving them. Well, they don't even need a minute. The they wait don't. time can be as little as five or ten seconds. And that's plenty of time for the introvert to jump in. Have you ever had a student come back to you uh, in this past year where you've engaged with either in reading circles or in Liam, come back to you and say, when you said whatever it is you told them, that really helped me. Have you gotten that kind of feedback from students? It was in 2020 when the world seemed to be falling apart, right. um, especially even here in Louisville locally, and everybody was emotionally exhausted. And there was one time when I kind of almost just stopped the lecture at the end and sort of reached out and talked about again resilience and um, I even brought in some of the information from Liam such as all the times Oprah Winfrey had failed before she made it or Walt Disney and that it was okay and they, I got a st um, student feedback on that saying that it helped her so much that she felt demoralized by what was going on and that just by listening and that we sort of got off lecture for one time and talked to each other as people and and comforted each other that she felt very comforted. It was a great moment. I've had two of those moments. The first happens, I am an ER nurse. That's my past. That's where my training has been and where my practice has been. I have a lot of fun ER stories that I can share. Students will tell me later as they're graduating or when I run into them as they're licensed nurses and they say, I still remember that story when that person screamed at you at triage and how you communicated to them. Because I'll try to build those stories into the lecture sure. material I'm, I'm given. And it's funny because that really wasn't almost the that important the part yeah. of, the, of the lecture, but the story. But that's what they remember. Exactly. The other thing, exactly. The other thing that, that students tell me is I tell them that their job is not to get A's or B's because B's and C's get degrees. And I don't mean that people should underperform, and I underline that. Yes. What I mean is another terrible secret, I think, is as in nursing school, we teach you a lot, but that first year of nursing is really the deep learning because it's mostly all application. And we want to get you licensed. I write plenty of letters of recommendation for C students because they tried as hard as they could and earned that C. And I'm like, here's your letter of recommendation to Norton, to Baptist, to ULH, to the VA, to wherever, out of state. And they tell me later, I'm so glad you said that. I was so worried about not getting an A or an a B. And you let me let go of that. And yes. I'm like, well, you let yourself let go of that. Yeah. I'm just right. glad I could give you the key. One of the really important things that we can help our learners understand is don't be so worried about failing a test every once in a while, getting a C on a test every once in a while, because learning is a process. We know learning is hard work. And if they can get there see what they don't know from that assessment, and then move on and get to that information. Time, timing is different for every human being. Sometimes it takes you longer to learn something than your neighbor next door. So 
It's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm always ready for dessert. I know. Got some chocolate? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. So, what so what's the dessert for today? <laughs> um, I was going to ask our, our lovely guests about why should other faculty really consider taking part in professional development programming? Because we're lifelong learners. I mean, if you're committing to the role of being a faculty member, you there's a good chance that you are a little bit type A and you should always want to be the best version of yourself. So for two reasons. One is because the science does change so frequently <laughs> and I've learned so much by participating in these groups. Again, I had two courses, I think, in the master's and doctoral programs that I went through on the science of teaching, which was enough to, it was like a flashlight in a dark hallway, but right. really I need to illuminate the house. So these, these um, discussion groups, the celebration of teaching and learning, I've only learned a little bit through Amelda with the Liam program. Those are all large room lighting. Here's, here's the science of, of learning. Here's how you can do it better. Here's how you might, because people will say, adjust your lectures. Well, I don't know how to adjust my lectures, right. but I get tools to do that, then I can. I think the other thing that's important are the connections because, mm -hmm. you know, we are fairly isolated in our silos. I mean, nursing educates nurses and, you know, physicians and, and um, PhDs and all sorts of people teach uh, medical students, same with dental. Crossing those lines and being able to figure out what's going on in other schools and just being able to stop and say hello to people outside and be like, how's things going? And, you know, that really is nice too. It makes me feel like I'm part of the university as opposed to just the School of Nursing. One of the great benefits of this job that we have is that we do get to cross all four HSC schools. So as a member of the School of Medicine for 34 years, I was limited to that. So the ability to meet people like you through Liam, through the reading circles, through the other things that we do, who would have predicted the relationships that, and the projects that have come from those things that with, with our dental faculty and with you guys. And so it's been a great thing for us as well to be able to interact with smart people all around the, the Health Science Center. And I want to take a moment um, to, to thank both of you for what you do, because over my career, I've learned a tremendous amount from nurses. For most physicians, they, they don't spend enough time thinking about what the nurse knows that you don't, especially early on. My mother was a nurse. She taught me a lot. I married a nurse. She's still teaching me a lot. <laughs> and I have so much appreciated the nursing profession and, and do my very best to be open when I'm on service at Children's Hospital, I go look for the nurse taking care of the baby because she, largely she, is going to know far more than the resident's going to know about how was this baby yesterday and the day before and the day before. Because you can't tell from the electronic record anymore because it's all these templated notes and you just can't tell if they were sick or not yesterday. And so I, I just have had such tremendous uh, help over the years from nursing faculty, from nursing, um, just nurses who are practicing in, in a hospital setting. I, I want to thank you for what you do because you're continuing that tradition. You're magnifying your own personal impact by training that next generation. And thank you so much for, for what you do in your roles, critically important. And I, I just can't say enough. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make U of L a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a 
great place to invest. Join us next time for more and come hungry.